good. And Locked On, Anaheim Ducks will be vibing at the Ponda soon. The new members of the Hall of Fame are announced. And should we be playing hockey in the States? I don't know, but find out on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, we're still going. Day 105 of quarantine now. I guess that's where we're at. But welcome everyone to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the land. I'm your humble host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. As I mentioned on the Twitter, we didn't have any shows this week. Uh, Just suffice it to say, some personal stuff went on, and I will talk about that in earnest in the final segment of today's podcast. But don't forget to hear all the previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you hear your podcast. And please don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe if you have not already. And Twitter time. LO underscore Ducks and StimpyJD. Those are the Twitter handles. Let's get right into it because we actually have quite a bit to talk about. So early on Wednesday, the city of Anaheim and the Anaheim Ducks, they have a new development coming up. And they're going to call it OC Vibe, but not just OC Vibe. OC is in lower cases. V exclamation point BE. Yeah. Not even kidding on that. It's called OC Vibe. Uh, It's going to be a $3 billion development that is supposed to be finished before the 2028 Olympics. That's the real reason why they want to get this done. Um, So the area around the Ponda or the Honda Center in Anaheim, they're going to have a $3 billion, 115-acre mixed-use community with live entertainment. And it looks really cool. I will admit... Their idea does look slightly better than the Angels' idea. Uh, The new center is going to have a lot of stuff. And this is from the Athletic article by Eric Stevens from June 24th. And he has some skepticism, and he's right to have skepticism, because we've seen plans like this before in the city of Anaheim. Think about the Garden Walk. The Garden Walk was meant to attract people, but there are some days that the Garden Walk is virtually empty. So what's to say the same can't happen with the Honda Center? Some people compare it, or actually, it is compared to LA Live on steroids. Here's why it works at LA Live, and it probably won't work here. There's three teams that play at Staples Center. The Kings, the Lakers, and the Clippers. The Honda Center has one tenant, the Mighty Ducks, or the Anaheim Ducks as they call them now. So here are some points as to what's going to take place. This is going to be a very grand plan, and there's a multi-point plan. Once again, this is from the Athletic article. A 6,000 capacity concert venue sitting across from Honda Center with multiple smaller clubs. Okay, so it's kind of like the Microsoft Theater. All right. More than 30 restaurant concepts and retail shops, which will include a 68,000-square-foot multi-story food hall featuring an artistic element running through it. That sounds a little much, but okay. Two hotels with 650 total rooms that are linked by pedestrian pathways to every entertainment option. That part does sound pretty cool. A landscaped pedestrian-only street called the Paseo, which will replace a portion of Douglas Road that runs on the west side of the arena. 
that will house public art, kiosks, and sitting areas. It will be part of the three-mile interconnected loop that can entice walkers or joggers, according to Dan Young, the district's master planner. Me personally, I kind of like that, but I'm a marathoner, I'm a jogger. If there's a three-mile interconnected loop, that can only mean one thing. They're going to have some 5Ks around Honda Center pretty soon. Actually, that would not be a bad idea. Several other sports teams have 5Ks. The Angels have their 5K. The LA Kings have their 5K. Even the Ontario Reign have a 5K. Why not have the Ducks 5K? Why not, right? That's not a bad idea. I like that. Also, 30 total acres of open space that will include a 5-acre park replacing the existing parking spots in front of a transportation center on the south side of Catella Avenue. So that's essentially that kind of empty lot that doesn't get used all that much. So that's kind of cool. I like that idea. Also, over 2,800 residential units, with 15% of it deemed affordable housing. That part I like. That part is kind of cool. We could always use more housing, especially here in Southern California. So this part I like a lot. These last two parts I also kind of like. Office space totaling 825,000 square feet, with 325,000 of it located in a newly built tower on the northern side of the complex. Young sees that part as an ode to Susan Samuel's championing of inner well-being. Quote, a very passive place and meant to be a relaxing moment in your week, unquote. Yeah, this part I like a lot. This last point, this is cool. A bridge that will run over Catilla, connecting the park with a large square that is currently parking on the south side of the Honda Center. Quote, we're trying to get people off that intersection at Catilla and Douglas today, Young said. Our plan is to have you be able to enjoy a beautiful walk in the outdoors, end quote. Maybe if it was covered, I would like that idea a little bit more. But there's one more significant change, and this one is kind of cool. The most significant change is going to be the parking around the arena and transit center repurposed into four structures as the project is built on open land on either side of Catilla. There is plenty of open land. Young said that the arena will have eight thousand parking spots up from its current 3800 if you guys have been to the honda center you know that the parking lot inside the honda center facilities they fill up pretty quickly then you have your auxiliary parking lots on the west side of honda center across from douglas then you have the lots kind of on the north side of it so it's a little it's a ways away there's parking by the phoenix club then you also have parking across the street from Catella. Some people like to park in those little cheapy lots where the strip mall is. And then you have people parking on the other side of the riverbed on Catella Avenue. So there's plenty of parking outside the arena facility. But inside the Honda Center proper, there's only 3,800 spots. So for them to go up to 8,000 parking spots, that's pretty damn good. I like that idea a lot. One more very important thing to to discuss. While part of one main road will be eliminated, and that's Douglas Avenue, a new road will run along the Santa Ana Riverbed and connect with three other streets and thoroughfares, and that includes Phoenix Club Drive. So the Phoenix Club is going to be connected right next to the riverbed. 
The goal for both Young Contends is to improve traffic flow. I love this idea a lot. It's always good to have a new road to kind of ease the flow of traffic, but also that can get you to the other side of that complex. Right now, those buildings that are north of Honda Center that has the Azuzu Azuzu Commercial Truck of America, Tenant ATM, and Carrington Mortgage Services. That's it. Some of that building is pretty vacant right now. There's also Platt College at Anaheim. That will probably go away. On the other side of the freeway, Ayers Hotel is going to stick around. Some of those other small businesses like Farmers Insurance, the Orange County Reload Supplies Building, that's probably going to go. The one other business that's right there is the building where J.T. Schmitz is at. Right there you have 714 tickets and you have J.T. Schmitz. That's probably going to be going away. Although J.T. Schmitz is suffering right now. Anyway, because of COVID-19, I don't know if J.T. is going to last much longer, to be honest. So if that's the only casualty, it would be sad, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Then you also have north of that parking outside the arena, there's this whole vast land that is going unused right now. And that's east of Phoenix, Phoenix Club Drive, right next to the riverbed. If they can successfully build a great solid four-lane road right there, two lanes going each direction, maybe even five lanes, that would not be a bad idea. In fact, I would welcome that because I've always said that the Honda Center, it's kind of just sitting there and there's nothing around it. It'd be kind of cool to have some kind of development a la LA Live. So overall, the Ducks plan is a very good idea and most of this is coming from the mind of the Samuelis. This is going to be very cool. And once again, it's going to be called OC Vibe. Although the logo, I mean, the logo is kind of, I don't want to say childish, but to start off with lowercase letters, that just screams not so much childish, but maybe hipster-like. Yeah, let's go with that. It's a little hipster-esque as far as the name goes. Whenever you have an exclamation point in the middle of your name, Yeah, that kind of raises a few eyebrows for some of the older crowd. But overall, the actual vision of what they want to accomplish is not a bad idea at all. This project is being built by the Samueli family, who are, of course, the owners of the Anaheim Ducks. And one more quote from the CEO of Visit Anaheim, Jay Burris. Quote, OC Vibe will transform Anaheim as a destination. This exciting project will assist Anaheim in attracting and retaining guests, particularly conventioneers, to dine, shop, stay, and be entertained in Anaheim, generating significant revenue for the local hospitality industry and the city of Anaheim. One more final point that's kind of important. The center is scheduled to open in 2024 and be fully completed before the 2028 Olympics when Honda Center hosts indoor volleyball. Ah, that's the real key right there. They want to make a very good impression for everyone coming to the 2028 Olympics in Southern California. I can't say the 2028 Olympics in LA, although that's what they did in 1984 when you had events at the Prado Dam in Ontario or Chino area. Yes, I... Don't remember that because I wasn't really alive. However, my mom was alive and she has lots of memories of those 84 Olympics and she's told me all about it. 
how they had events in Inglewood, Brentwood, Chino, you name it, around, so, around SoCal, that's where the events happened. So I could see this being a boon for the economy during the Olympics, and that would be a massive destination place for those that like watching indoor volleyball. And volleyball does gather some pretty big crowds during the Olympics. It has in the past, so I don't see why it couldn't be successful here. So that is all about the plan for OC Vibe. I've talked about those vibes for a long time, and we've got to head to a break. So before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Yes, our fantastic sponsor, Built Bar, who are the makers of some fantastic protein bars, but also they have some pretty damn good drink powder, which is called Built Boost. And in fact, if you go on BuiltBar.com right now, you're going to see that they have a massive deal going on. Well, just how massive? How about 50% off everything? That's right. If you go to BuiltBar.com, it is 50% off the rest of their remaining inventory. You could get 50% off on some of your favorite Built Bar flavors and also up to 66% off on Built Boost. And all the proceeds right now or all the profits are going to be going towards initiatives that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. So once again, check out BuiltBar.com where they have 50% off everything. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the land that tastes like a candy bar. Coming up after the first intermission, we're going to talk about the newest members of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, presented by Built Bar. We are going to talk about the newest members of the Hockey Hall of Fame that were announced late Wednesday. And there are six new members of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Five players and one builder. So let's get right to it. The easy one was absolutely no shock to anyone. Jerome Ginla is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he becomes the fourth. African, sorry, the fourth black player inducted after Grant Fuhr, Angela James, and of course, Willie O'Ree. Grant Fuhr, of course, played many years with the Oilers. Angela James was a women's hockey pioneer, and Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier in hockey, as I've talked about Willie O'Ree several times on this very podcast. So, once again, Jerome McGinley into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he played 1,554 NHL games. He's scored 1300 points he scored 625 goals he won two rocket richard trophies won the king clancy the art ross and the ted Lindsay award as well and he was a six-time all-star uh, he scored 50 goals twice and passed 40 goals four different times and he also got two olympic gold medals more importantly well i guess to canadians he was the guy that set up Sidney Crosby for that golden goal in the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, Canada. Something that Americans are still kind of crying a little bit about. I mean, it was a fantastic goal. Sidney Crosby was the hero of Canada for a long time. And to some people, he still is the hero of Canada for scoring that golden goal. But again, look got the assist on that one. So once again, Jerome McGinley, first ballot Hall of Famer, and once again, the fourth black player 
in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Another first ballot Hall of Famer is Marion Hossa, mostly playing with the Chicago Blackhawks. He scored 525 goals and 1,134 points in 1,309 games. The main reason he's in the Hall of Fame, I mean, the 500 goals is something. But his playoffs, I mean, were out of this world. 149 points in 205 games. He won three Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks. He was really one of the key components in that Blackhawks team and was the first NHL player to reach three consecutive Stanley Cup finals with three different teams. How about that for a stat? So once again, Marian Hossa, he's also in the Hall of Fame. Another player, Kim St. Pierre, who was a fantastic goaltender for Team Canada all those years. She's got three gold medals from the Olympics, five gold medals from World Championships, and one from the Four Nations Cup. She helped win 64 games with 29 shutouts and earned Best Goalie Honors at the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. So once again, Kim St. Pierre is in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to her on that. Also, two other players that got in after some pretty long waits. One of them is a pretty easy case. Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson is finally, finally in the Hall of Fame. He's currently the GM for the San Jose Sharks. He scored 237 goals and 827 points as a defenseman. He won the Norris Trophy in 1982. He played in an era that had some great defensemen, you know, namely Ray Bork and Paul Coffey. Doug Wilson was overlooked a ton, and good for him to finally get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was the top 20 in points by a defenseman and top 10 in points per game when he finished his career. So once again, Doug Wilson is into the Hockey Hall of Fame. This one, okay, this last election kind of got to some people because this is a case of, well, he played with Gretzky, therefore he's good. But it's a little more than that. I think, I think maybe he does deserve this. Kevin Lowe spent most of his career with the Edmonton Oilers. He won five Stanley Cups with the Oilers, including one after Gretzky left. And then he won one in 1994 with the New York Rangers. He helped end that 54-year drought. He joined Marc Messier by winning six championships. Look, he's got six Stanley Cups. He was the heart and soul of that Oilers team in 1990 and was partially responsible for that 94 Stanley Cup with the Rangers. So, yeah, I could see him being in the Hall of Fame. I know his stats aren't as good as most other players, but you have to look at the intangibles with this guy, and he's got them. So, Kevin Lowe, finally into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and one more as a builder. Ken Holland, he rounds out the class as a builder. So, this timing... It's a little shocking, but, you know, Ken Holland does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. He was the assistant GM and GM for the Detroit Red Wings. He won four Stanley Cups as a prominent member of the Detroit Red Wings, mainly those ones in the 90s. 
And just to go off on a tangent, I recently saw a great documentary called The Russian Five about the five Russian players for the Detroit Red Wings back in the late 1990s. And Ken Holland was part of that. And I think he's deserving of being in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So he's in there as a builder. By the way, he's currently working with the Edmonton Oilers. He could add to his resume. So we'll see about that. So once again, the six names are Jerome McGinley, Marion Hosa, Kim St. Pierre, Doug Wilson, Kevin Lowe, and Ken Holland as a builder. Congratulations to all of those fantastic people making it into the Hockey Hall of Fame in the year 2020. We're going to head to the second intermission. But first, I want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com. Yes, all the best parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. Yeah. With consistently low prices, you can find parts for just about any car, whether it is a 2007 Chevy or an old 40s Packard. Maybe you want to drive a 60s Chevy Impala. They have parts for that too. Everything from floor mats to oil to other parts here and there. With consistently low prices that cut out the middleman, rockauto.com should be your go-to for car parts. So once again, that is rockauto.com. And in the part where it says, where did you hear about us? Tell them Locked On sent you. Once again, rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. And coming up after the second intermission, yeah, they should not be playing hockey in the States. I'm going to get personal here. Yeah, stay locked in, folks. All right, folks, I want to get a little serious here and get personal and talk about what's going on in regards to the coronavirus and how this relates to the hockey world. This is going to get personal, folks. So as far as you guys may have seen, the NHL has decided to shorten their list of cities down to six cities, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. Then you have L.A., Vegas and Chicago, three Canadian cities, three American cities. Canada's doing okay with this. They're doing fine. They don't have that many positive cases in regards to their percentage as far as population goes. I looked at a stat last week where it talked about the same number of tests were administered in Florida and Ontario, as in the province of Ontario. Florida had 10 times more positive cases despite the same number of tests than the province of Ontario in Canada. What does that tell us? Florida's a big hotspot right now. So is Texas. So is California. So is Arizona. This is where I'm going to get personal. So the reason that I haven't posted much of anything in the past almost a week now, I know someone personally that got affected. And unfortunately, that's my cousin Melissa. So my cousin lives in Arizona, a big hotspot. She is a nurse in Arizona. She's on the front lines every single day. She had complained about a month or two ago that she simply was not getting enough PPE in her area. It's sad, really. What happened next was pretty shocking. Despite the fact that numbers were going down, people weren't wearing masks. They stopped being careful. 
it opens up a little bit. At the time, we thought everything was fine, but it turns out that's not the case. Once June hit, Arizona started to see more and more cases again. They started to see a resurgence that looked pretty bad. Then a couple weeks ago, she was complaining of symptoms. That was the last time I actually, you know, talked to her. So I thought, okay, just stay safe. Trying to call out of work. I knew they wouldn't let her do that. She still had to work. She was still working even though she was starting to feel something. And then it hit that she had tested positive and then she got worse. Worse to the point where a week ago she was admitted, administered into the ICU for what turns out to be a positive coronavirus, but it got worse. She got to the ICU. Then she was put on a ventilator last week and that's where everything just started to really fall apart. In a matter of a few days. Once she was put on that ventilator. The whole family knew that. This whole thing is very serious. And even those family members. In my family that didn't take this too seriously. They're taking it seriously now. And we should too. Coronavirus is very real. And I fear that most people are not going to be too cautious about it. Until it hits them or until it hits someone close to them. I'll admit that I was somewhat proactive on wanting to get play done. Yeah, there should not be any sports. This pandemic is still happening right now. There shouldn't be any basketball. There shouldn't be any baseball. There shouldn't be any football, hockey. It should not be happening. Because this virus knows no bounds. It is relentless. It is consuming people left and right. It is taking countless lives away. So far, as of this recording, it's taken over 120,000 lives in the United States alone. Compare that to the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 and 1919. That took anywhere from half a million to 700,000 lives. We're approaching that. This is, this is only the first wave. We could see a multitude of deaths in the coming weeks, months. It could easily get up to half a million if we're not careful now. We don't need sports right now. What we need is each other. We need to help curb this pandemic. Stay indoors if you have to. Wear a freaking mask. Because you never know... If this is going to hit someone that you know personally, you just never know. So over the weekend, once I heard that news that she was on a ventilator and that the next few days were going to be critical as to whether she was going to pass or not, that juncture was very scary. Would I know someone, a family member that I'm close to, that would succumb to this disease? Fortunately, yesterday we found out that she is in fact off the ventilator, still in ICU, still in the hospital, but she's off the ventilator and pretty much on the road to recovery. 
it's going to be a very slow road to recovery. But nonetheless, we're hopeful that she's going to be just fine. It will just take a lot of time. And it could potentially have very long, I guess, repercussions. We don't know the long-term effects of this disease. And frankly, we won't know for a long time. So to the NHL, NFL, MLB, and NBA, we don't need this. To the NFL, you have till September. If things calm down, maybe you could play. But for right now, just leave well enough alone. We don't need football. To the NBA, the plan in Orlando was completely reckless. Shouldn't be playing in Orlando. That's one of the biggest hot spots in the entire country. Do not put these players' lives in jeopardy. Don't play basketball. To MLB, what you're doing is completely reprehensible and despicable. And Rob Manfred, you should be fired for what you're trying to do. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You want to speed the spread up? Really? You want to increase the speed of spread? By having teams travel from venue to venue like it's nothing? No, this is not right. Rob Manfred, you should be ashamed of yourself. Baseball should definitely not be going on. To the NHL, there definitely should not be hockey in the States. If you absolutely insist on awarding the Stanley Cup, at least play the games in Canada where the speed of spread is a lot less. That's all I have to say about that, really. With that, I think we're going to end the show. So I'll just end it quickly by saying you could hear this or any of the previous episodes via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. I want to know what you guys think. Should we play? Should we be playing hockey? And if you know anyone that has been overtaken by coronavirus then i have nothing but just good thoughts for everyone out there that's suffering through this if you're a frontline worker if you're working in the hospitals right now i have nothing more to say than thank you so much thank you for being on the front lines in the hospitals and putting your life at risk it is truly appreciated to what you're doing these are the real heroes the ones that are working in the hospitals seeing this every day you guys are the true heroes i mean that wholeheartedly anyway uh you can follow me at stimpyjd or at lo underscore ducks on twitter tomorrow will be a lot more cheerful i promise because tomorrow is the nhl draft lottery and hopefully i'll hear some more good news as far as my cousin so thank you all for listening For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying please stay safe out there, wear a mask, practice social distancing, and ducks fly together, Anaheim.